Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. Well, let's just lift up our voice to the one who is our help. We glorify you, Father. We magnify you. We worship you. We glorify you. We glorify you. We glorify you. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. Father, we thank you in advance for the word that shall be sown. That life-transforming word. We're so grateful for your word. How we love thy law. It is our meditation all the day long. We delight to do your word. Thank you for your word. So we thank you for the word that shall be sown. For the answers that will come for people. We're so grateful. Father, we thank you for the increase, the advancement, the promotion that shall happen this week. We're expecting it. We thank you. And Jesus, it is your total delight to heal. It is your total delight to meet the needs of people. So we thank you. We thank you, precious healer. You're such a wonderful healer. And we say, have your way in this place. We yield to your spirit. We yield to your plan. And we're so grateful. Jesus, we love every flow. We love every flow that you have for us in these meetings. Not one is less than another. They all bring something different to our lives. So we take them all. We move with them all. We respond with every way that you move in these services. And we're so grateful. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Turn to somebody before your seat and say, I'm expecting this week. And you can be seated tonight. Hallelujah. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2 tonight. Anybody ever heard of 1 Peter 2, 24? Anybody ever heard of it? Let's go there. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I bet... Most of you in this room could quote it without going there. Good for you. Right? It's good. You know, Grant was preaching. Where is Grant? Where did he go? Oh, he's back there. He did a good job tonight. And that's all I'm going to say. I could make announcements and ads, but I'm not going to. But Grant was preaching recently, and he made a statement uh, in quoting Dr. Summerall. And he said, Dr. Summerall, of course, had a powerful ministry, signs, wonders, miracles, healings. And he made a statement that I think is worth noting and remembering. And he said, 80% of all people receive their healing just by feeding on the Word. Just by sitting under the flow of the Word. So let's not diminish... 
That's right. That while you're sitting there, you can receive your your miracle, your healing, because the word of God it's alive. It's alive. <laughs> it's full of power. And there's enough power in every single word to accomplish that word. And God hastens to his word to what? Perform it. So the, the word calls God's performance into play. And so we love the word. I said we love the word. We value it. First Peter chapter 2 verse 24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Don't we, don't we love this past tense? You were healed. When were you healed? Well, the same place that you were made free from the power of sin. Amen. This is one verse that many focus on when they're believing God for healing, and we should. It's a, it's a, it is a, it is a effective sword. <laughs> but many sell over the verse to get to that last phrase: "By His stripes we were healed." By His stripes we were healed. Good. <laughs> but thank, thank God for that last phrase. But thank God for the first one. And the middle one, <laughs> because I want to focus not on the last phrase tonight. I want to focus on the middle phrase tonight. And the middle phrase says being dead to sins, being dead to sins. We are already dead to sins. What's that mean? Sins lost its power over us. When it shows up, we have greater authority than it does. And we say, no, you don't. No, you don't. I'm not yielding to that. I'm not going that way. I'm not, I'm not cooperating with that old habit, that old addiction. We, are, we have authority to tell the opportunity to, of sin to say, nope, nope. You're not lording it over me. The lordship of sin is done. And uh, so being dead to sins, you're dead to it. I don't, I don't care if you just got born again five minutes ago. You're dead to sins. It's no longer pushing you around. No longer your master. And you say, well, it doesn't feel that way. That's why I'm here to tell you. So, so you'll get it in you. <laughs> Being dead to sin. Look at the next word. Should. Should. <laughs> Meaning this isn't automatically the way Christians are living. This is the way they should live. How should they be living? Live unto what? Righteousness. Yeah. There's a way every believer should be living. And it's unto righteousness. We cannot ignore this, this phrase of the verse just to skip over and get to the last phrase. Because there's a reason this phrase precedes the last phrase. <laughs> There's a divine order to this. So we should live under righteousness. Well, how can we do that? Because religion will teach you that we're not right. You know, we're our righteousness is of rags, filthy rags, (laughs) those kinds of statements. We're not talking about a natural 
uh, ability on our own to accomplish something worthy of God's attention. Righteousness simply means right with God. Jesus made us right with God. Are you right with God tonight? Yeah, you're righteous. You're righteous. We aren't right or righteous with God because we did everything right. We're right and righteous with God because Jesus did everything right. So when the devil tells you, if you trip up, because I've had it to where uh, when you trip up and, and the devil will say, you know, now you have to accept a measure of defeat because you missed it. That's what he'll tell you. And uh, I, I, I remind him, all that means, devil, is I qualify for a savior. It's another reminder that I qualify for a savior. And I've got one, devil. And you don't. <laughs> Amen. Romans 5, 17. Go with me if you would. Romans 5, verse 17. Thank God for the word. We're becoming skillful at resting in who we are instead of trying to be something more on our own ability. Romans 5, 17, for if by one man's offense, talking about Adam's, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace, that's us, and of the gift of righteousness. Righteousness is nothing earned, it's a gift. And with that abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we reign. We reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So what's it mean to reign in life? That means over circumstances. Circumstances show up and you say, uh, I'm master over you. Jesus made me master over you. Now what we need to do is become master, masterful with our masterful position. And it's called being skillful. Amen. Verse 18, therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift. There, that's why I don't want you to see free gift. Free gift, not earned gift. Free gift came upon all men under justification of life. Now let's go back and we look at 1 Peter 2, 24. Being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. Live drawing on the free gift. Spend the gift. Spend it. Spend that righteousness. Every single day of your life, spend it. Have you ever seen, you see, you see what the young people do today? They'll get a, you know, supposedly a sack of money and go, mm, 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 mm. with our righteousness. Mm, 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 mm. And we bear fruits of righteousness by spending our righteousness. And the word says we should, that God is glorified that we bear much fruit. What kind of fruit? Fruits of righteousness as well as prayer fruit, love fruit, faith fruit. 
Also, the word speaks of fruits of righteousness. In other words, because you're right with God, go to God and lay hold of things and, and bring back into this realm, the fullness of that realm and change this realm. That's called fruits of righteousness. Because you're right with God, you can, bo- you can come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You couldn't do that if you weren't made righteous. But when you realize it's not because I've done everything right that I come boldly. It's because the gift is mine to spend. Amen. Hallelujah. So when it says being dead to sin should live under righteousness, that means we're going to have to be mindful of that righteousness. We're going to have to call that, that, that understanding to the forefront when we're faced with something that challenges that and accuses us else of being something else. So this is telling us how we should live, not how we're to try to live. This is not a trying situation. We're not trying. Amen. Amen. So we should live under righteousness. Why? Because he's talking about living a lifestyle that depicts the righteousness that is already yours. That people need to know when they look at your life, there's something else you're drawing on. Something else you're spending than what they're drawing on and spending. I want to read that verse, that portion of the verse, out of two different translations. The Common English Bible says this. He did this so that we might live in righteousness, having nothing to do with sin. Having nothing to do with it. So instead of struggling against sin, tell it. Say, I have nothing to do with you. I have nothing to do with you. Then God's word translation reads this way. Christ carried our sins in his body on the cross so that freed from our sins, we could live a life that, God, that has God's approval. So what is the life of righteousness? It's the life, the kind of life that has God's approval on it. Amen. So again... When we read 1 Peter 2, 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Why did he do this? So that we could live a life of righteousness too. Thank God so we could be healed. But you notice the way of living precedes him telling you about the, the payment for your sickness and disease that's been made. He also paid for your, your manner of living. He paid for us to live. Our lives should not look, look like the, the unsaved neighbors. We shouldn't have the same issues, same problems, same squabbles, same fussing, same fighting. No, because Jesus paid for me to live a life that's pleasing to the Father. So first he bore the price. Second, he offers us and gave us the gift of the kind of flow that's going to give us the best life. And then third, then after that, he says, by whose stripes you're healed. So notice this, what prefaces prefaces being able to receive in fullness 
the health that belongs to you is the kind of life you're living. It is connected, Pastor. It's connected. And uh, Dad Hagen made a statement. And he said, um, I heard him on a couple occasions say this. He said, in our younger years, in my younger years of ministry, he said, he said, we did not see in the church. Now, there were people that would become, have physical conditions. He said, I don't mean to say they weren't. But he said, they were not the terminal, threatening, life-destroying illnesses that ran rampant. He said that I'm seeing today. He said the healing lines look different today than back then. Now, see, that's somebody who has been on the front. He's had the front, front row seat for decades. And he observed that there's a difference. And then he followed up with this, and he said, well... That is because back then people lived holier lives. What's that, what's that referring to? This that we just read. How you should live. When we're interested in healing, we have to also, by scriptural definition, be interested in the manner of life we're living. To address our healing, we're going to have to address our life of righteousness. We are made righteous, but are we living the righteousness we have been made to be? Because he said should live unto righteousness. Meaning this is not automatic just because you're righteous. That doesn't mean you're living a righteous life. Amen. I want to quote something that F.F. Bosworth wrote in his Christ the Healer book. He said, while we rejoice in miracles, we remember that they are only external manifestations of a thousand times greater and more precious miracle that has transpired within the sacred chamber of the inner soul. The inner cause is so much more precious than the outward effect of healings and miracles. Eternal results Excuse me, external results. The healing, a miracle manifesting. External results are like figures in a bank book that show that you have gold deposited in the bank. The gold is more valuable than the figures. What is worked on the inside when we are coming in to lay hold of a life of health and healing, there is a work that has to happen on the, in the spirit of man to come into the fullness of what has been provided for. Amen. People cannot walk in the fullness of health ignoring a life of righteousness. The life of righteousness paves the way to the healing flow. There's a reason it's listed before by whose stripes she were healed. It all belongs to you. Healing absolutely belongs to you just like, just like righteousness belongs to you. But living a life of righteousness is what keeps the healing flow unhindered. Amen. That's right. Amen. Praise the Lord. So to live a life of, he- of health... To receive healing is going to put a demand on your spiritual life. It's going to put a demand. Not just on your natural body getting something. It puts a demand first on the spirit of man. Because why? Healing is spiritual. It's not physical. It shows up in the physical. But it's spiritual. 
Why? Because it flows from a spiritual source. Amen. Remember, Jesus told, there was the, the, the man that was laying by the pool of Bethesda, had laid there, and he had been in that condition for 38 years, and Jesus came up to him and says, do you, do you want to be healed? And he says, well, I have no one to put me in the water, because remember, an angel would come down at an unappointed time and stir the water. The first one in got healed, and Jesus said, do you want to be healed? And he says, I have no man to put me in the water. And so Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. And he did. He picked up his bed and he walked. And of course, the religious leaders saw him on the Sabbath day carrying his bed and didn't like it that he was healed on the Sabbath day. And all they, all they got tripped up with was, he's carrying a bed. They missed the big point. They missed the big point. So many people really missed the big point. But let me tell you something. The wonderful thing about healing is it works a deeper walk with God in you. Amen. So Jesus later that day found the man in the temple. Now, now we see something about the man. When he got raised up, the first place he went was the temple. He didn't go back to the honky-tonk, didn't go to the bars, didn't go to the movie house, didn't go to the pub, didn't go to the dancing juke, juke joint. He, he, didn't, he didn't even go home. He went to church. Now we see something that draws the compassion of God when there's a hunger in somebody that they want to know and they want to have something. He sees that. So Jesus finds him in the temple and then he's telling him how to keep what he just got. Go and sin no more. Lest the worst thing come upon you. He was teaching him how to not lose this wonderful miracle you just received. So was Peter. He's telling you how not to lose. Out on the flow of healing, you should live a life of righteousness. Praise the Lord. Jesus, now let me read it to you. Exactly the wording Jesus said to the man, Behold, thou art made whole. I love that word, whole. He said, Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. So, notice this, he connected his wholeness to his lifestyle. We don't have a right to disconnect it. When he connected our wholeness to what we allow in our lives, we don't have a right to change that connection. We're not authorized. It's forever connected. So, praise the Lord. I was listening to, I, I, I'm so, uh, I've been searching for days now because I was watching on YouTube a sermon of Dad Hagen. Aren't you grateful that he was alive in a time when he could be recorded? Because so many... We have no record of, we don't have a, a recording of Smith Wigglesworth and John Wesley and all Martin Luther and all these, but thankfully we got Dad Hagen on record. And uh, this sermon popped up and then I so loved it, I pushed save. It did not save. And then when it went, you, you know, you can go watch and see what your history was, your viewing history. It threw up a completely different video. 
in the place of that that I didn't watch. And I'm going, I don't like that. So I, yeah, YouTube devil, is that what that is? So I've been searching for days because I just know what I put in the title. I can't find it again. It's not coming up. But in this, in this uh, sermon, Dad Hagen made a statement I'd never heard him make before. And he said this, if you will get your spirit where it ought to be, your body will start responding. That's worth writing down. If you, not if God, if you will get your spirit where it ought to be, your body will start responding. So many times people are just throwing healing scriptures at their body. Thank God for the, the word is, it's medicine to all our flesh. But you can't throw it at the body and leave the spirit unaddressed. I'm going to read it to you again. If you will get your spirit where it ought to be, your body will start responding. You say, well, where should my spirit, where, when you say where my spirit ought to be, what does he mean by that? Your spirit knows. Your spirit knows where it ought to be. Your spirit knows. Check your heart. I, I found out this. Anytime I missed God, I knew where I missed him. I'm in here. I knew where I missed him. I didn't have to go pray for three days. I didn't have to have somebody call me out and prophesy. I was there when I disobeyed. I knew where I missed it. I was there. I can't act like I don't know what you're talking about. I was there when the Spirit led me. Don't you sit and laugh at me. You're the same way. You know, you're in here. You know where you missed it. Now, many people don't want to acknowledge that. No, I don't know. Yeah, your spirit knows. Your spirit knows. Your spirit knows what God's saying to it. Praise the Lord. Your spirit knows. Your spirit knows if you should be dating that one. Your spirit knows. I don't care what you tell your mama. <laughs> your spirit knows what you, what you should or should not be watching on computer. I don't care how, how quick you hide the screen. Your spirit knows. <laughs> so when he said, if we would get our spirits where they ought to be, your spirit knows where we ought to be. Because where we ought to be is not out beyond where God has led us. Where we ought to be is every, every place the Spirit of God has led us. We have faith for it or He wouldn't let us there. He's not going to lead you out beyond your faith. So if He led you there, you got faith for it. Get there. Amen. That which God has for us flows through our spirits into our bodies. Now I'm just referring to healing. When you need healing in your body, it doesn't just show up in your body. It first, it first moves through your spirit into your body because healing is spiritual. Everything that flows from God is spiritual. Prosperity is spiritual. Prosperity doesn't just show up in your wallet apart from flowing through your spirit. 
Come on. Something has to flow from your spirit into that arena of need. Amen. So what's this mean? When you have a need in life, start looking what needs to be dealt with in my spirit. Because the, this arena of my life that needs a flow, that flow is going to come through my spirit. And so many people go right to the mind. Or they go to their family and they start talking it out. That's not where the, the source of power stems from. Amen. Is any among you going through a test or trial? Let him pray. Do something spiritual. Prayer is a spiritual act. You're talking to God. So he said, are you, is anyone afflicted? And it means going through a test or trial in James. Is any, is any among you afflicted? You're going through a test or trial. He said, let him pray. Let him talk to God. Let him do something spiritual, not something natural. Because there's not help in the natural for that affliction. The help is in the spirit. So get your, get your spirit moving. Talk to God about it. Get your spirit engaged. Get your spirit involved. Don't just run to that mental help. There's no help there. Not divine help. Amen. So anything you receive from God is received first in your spirit. It's received first in your spirit. Mark eleven twenty four. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive, and you shall have it. This is where a lot of people miss it. They think the word receive means a manifestation. It doesn't mean manifestation. What things serve you desire when you pray, believe you receive it with your spirit. And you'll have it. It'll manifest. You have to receive it with your spirit. How do you receive with your spirit? It's called the hand of faith. And you can tell when your spirit laid hold of something. And you can tell when your, your spirit didn't lay hold of it. You're quoting and quoting and it just, it's just falling flat. Why? Because it's not come, your, your spirit's not hooked to that thing. Just the mind. Amen. So when people need healing, deal with your spiritual life first. Go to your spiritual life first. Turn here and say, ask yourself, what's God been talking to me about? Ask yourself, what has God been talking to me about? Because he's not going to leave you out on where your spirit ought to be. Or what you ought to be doing with your spirit or spiritually speaking. He's not leaving you out. Your spirit knows. So what is God dealing with you about? Well, Pastor Nancy, it's not a big deal. It's the little foxes that spoil the mind. And don't dismiss it just because it seems like something little. Because by paying attention to what he's dealing with you about, your healing's connected to it. Your answer is connected to it. Your help is connected to what he's talking to you about. And have you ever noticed you go and you say, Father, I, you know, I'm having a financial need. And all of a sudden you're praying and praying. And all that comes up is how you're treating your spouse. No, 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 no. Father, I'm, I, I got a bill here, Father. I got a bill. But see, sometimes you got a bill with God. You got a bill with God. That he's wanting you to pay that thing 
How do you pay it? Obey him. Obey him. <laughs> and you go, no, no, no. You understand, God, I, have a, I need this bill paid. He said, I do understand. That's why I'm talking about your marriage. <laughs> you know, what, 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 what's this main highway out here? 60. 60. What, what direction is it going? Because this girl don't know direction. <laughs> don't ever tell me go south. East or west. I said, you better do left or right because Jesus only know left or right. He said, don't look to your left, don't look to your right. He didn't say don't look to south or north. <laughs> he said, don't look to your left, don't look to your right. <laughs> I'm just staying scripture. <laughs> so which direction east, does it go? West, east. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just real about that. <laughs> And, and so if you, what'd you say, 60? Uh -huh. 60, if you want to get on 60 East, sometimes to get on 60 East, you got to go an access road that's taking you south. And you go, wait, 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 I don't want to go south. I want to go east. Just get on the access road. Right. If you'll follow it, it will eventually put you on, on the one you're taking, right? right? That's what God does. You're trying to talk to him about finances and he gives you an access road. That's what Peter did. We're talking, we're needing to believe for our healing, and he gives us an access road that you should live under righteousness. There's your access road to everything else that's been provided for. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. What has God been dealing with you about? And the thing is, he's so faithful. He'll deal with you. For a, a, a length of time. I, I so appreciate that things I should have gotten a long time ago, I still didn't get. You know, it's like, how many times am I going to run around this bush? And I'm so grateful. He just keeps, he just keeps, he just keeps leading me, just keeps leading me, just keeps directing me. When we get our spirit where it ought to be. Where, where, where should I, our spirit ought to be dealing with what he's dealing with us about? And I want to tell you this wonderful thing, what he's dealing with you about. He doesn't want you to deal with it in your ability. He gives you the ability to deal with what he's dealing with you about. And I don't mean to bury you in words, but that's the truth. If you will just say... I, I hear it. I choose to change. I choose to make that choice. But I can't fulfill it, so I choose to rely on your grace and your ability, your power to do this. Because the devil will point at how you've tried for years and years and years to change something, to, to cause you to get discouraged. To turn you in upon yourself. How many times does he do that? Turns you in on yourself. Accusing you. Condemnation. Guilt. Anything that puts you down is the devil. Anything. And the devil will use your failures of the past of trying to address what God's been dealing with you about in your own ability. And you'll fail at that. 
And then the devil just, you just start losing hope. You just keep, you just get so frustrated with it. You almost ignore what God's dealing with you about. But he's dealing with you about it so that you'll release your faith for his ability to help you deal with it. Amen. Any area. Now, listen, as I said, righteousness belongs to us. It's a gift. It's not something earned. It's not something earned. But when we're living in line with that righteousness that is ours, it helps us to be able to receive. It's the position of receiving. Any area that's out of tune with God and his word robs us from receiving as we should. Now, Jesus told Dad Hagen, if you have not ever read his book, I Believe in Visions, I ask you to. And there's a chapter that holds, they all hold something different, but the hospital visitor chapter holds so, so much in there. When Jesus came in an open vision and sat down and talked to Dad Hagen face to face for an hour and a half. And I, I'm, for time's sake, I certainly am not telling the whole of it. But Jesus said this. He said, it's not my will that any of my children ever be sick, right. ever be operated on, or ever have an accident. Right. Now, he, that doesn't mean he's telling you mm-hmm. not to ever be operated on. Right. Right. He's just saying there's something best, best. But then Jesus followed up with this. He said, but not all my people are in position to receive my best. What positions us to receive his best that we should live under righteousness? Amen. Since healing is spiritual, our spiritual lives have to be in order to receive his best. I'm giving a short list I, some of you pastors could probably take this and do a longer list, but I'm going to give you a short list just of things that came up in my heart okay. of dealing with things that we have to address to make sure our spirits are in order. Amen. Yeah. Very good. For our spirits to be where they should be, let's give, a, give ourselves a checklist. Amen. Amen. That's going, if we're not, and I'm going, just for a minute, I'm just going to get on the negative side of it, not to push you down, but to make it so clear. Um, that if we're not, this is how not to live righteousness. <laughs> Number one, first and foremost, neglecting or not being interested in feeding on the word. And not giving the word first place in our life. You cannot live the life of righteousness that belongs to you outside the word. You have to be inside the word and the word has to be inside you. That's right. How do you get the word inside you? Not just reading it. Meditating your way through the word. God said something to me years ago. He said, talk to me about my word. Interesting. Talk to me about, don't just read it, talk to him, meditate, have a conversation with him. Let it be driven down into your spirit until it's driven down into your spirit. It won't be a live thing for you. It comes alive in your spirit, not your mind. 
Why? Because there's no faith in your mind. And the faith has to be mixed with that word for it to produce and profit us. So we have to drive that word into our spirit through meditation. That means we have the privilege of disciplining our thought life to think on what the word says instead of just thinking about what Aunt Rose did to me and what Uncle Tom did that. And, you know, and they forgot my birthday and, you know, and I didn't like that Christmas present. <laughs> what did Jesus say? He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God takes his thoughts and speaks them to us so we can have the mind of God. Amen. Jesus took those thoughts. He had to take God's thoughts and make them his own. He wasn't just born with all that. He came, he stripped himself. He came in the form of a man. He had to go through the same processes we do. He had to renew his mind. That's called renewing the mind, taking on the thoughts of God. In Proverbs 4, verse 20, my son, attend to my words. When I say, when I read this word, attend, it always speaks to me, put your attention on my words. You're all, you've always got your attention on something. Learn to discipline your attention. What, what are you thinking about when you're driving down the, car, driving down the road in that car? When your mind is free to, to, to grab hold of anything. Discipline it to put your attention and your focus on the word. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life to those that find them, look at this, and health to all their flesh. So how we treat the word, whether or not we're attending to the word will show up in our health. There you go. How we're treating the word will show up in our health. And we can gauge how we're treating the word by looking at our health. The word is food for our spirit. Our spirit needs feeding. It's also food for the mind. The word's food for the mind, absolutely. But if we're not feeding our spirit, you know what else isn't being fed? Our faith. Because our faith is in our spirit. So if we're robbing, we're robbing our spirits of the word, we're robbing our faith of fuelings. If we're being ruled and led by something other than the word, circumstances, feelings, emotions, the past, human reasonings, our spirits are out of order. And what did Brother Hagin say? When you get your spirit where it ought to be, your body will start responding. When you get the when we put the word in its rightful place. In our life and in our attention, our bodies will start responding. The second thing that we need to pay attention to, we can be feeding the word in our spirit, but second thing, we still have to exercise our faith. We have to use our faith. Just because we're feeding our spirit doesn't mean we're using our faith. 
What did Paul say? He said, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. You can have faith and not be in it. You can have a car and not be in it. You can have a house and not be in it. You can have faith and not be in it, not be using it. Just because you have it doesn't mean it doesn't go into, into operation automatically. So uh, our spirits not being where they ought to be can be from just not using the faith we already have. The next thing that can cause our spirits to not be what they ought to be is a neglected prayer life. Why? Because the word says praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. It's not talking to ministers there. He's talking to his children. And then in Colossians 4, 2, it says continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving. What's he talking about? A lifestyle. A lifestyle. A lifestyle. Get into the habit of just talking to God all throughout the day, all throughout the day. Smith Wigglesworth made this statement. He said, if I'm not walking and talking with someone, he says, I'm always talking with my father. He had trained and disciplined himself that he didn't just let his mind wander. He used times that he was alone to talk to the father, turn his attention there. That keeps us filled up. It keeps us getting that feeling every day that we need. Amen. Hallelujah. Then the next thing that's in keeping with that that can cause our spirits to not be where they ought to be is just not living full. Not living full. We're commanded to be filled. Ephesians 5 and verses 17 and 18 says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So notice what... what Paul called unwise, not understanding the will of the Lord for your life is you're unwise. Verse 18, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, meaning this, you're just going to take a little bit of wine, it will always lead you to excess. Wine will not leave you at a sip. It says wherein is excess. Excess is built into that thing. And it'll take you there. Amen. We should be living under righteousness. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. But be, be filled. That's, that's not a suggestion. Be filled. If I, say, if I say, go in there and get your room cleaned up, that's not a suggestion. Be filled. Not a suggestion. It's a command. Be filled. Amen. Be filled with the Spirit, or as Dad Hagen brought out from another translation, it says, be being filled. Meaning this, we're not to live on yesterday's feeling. Every day, it's a fresh. Every day, it's a fresh infilling. It's not maintaining fullness. It's topping off every day, topping off. And just keep flowing, just keep flowing. Amen. Be not drunk with wherein with wine wherein is excess, but we could say this, but be filled with the spirit wherein there is no excess. You're never going to go too far. You're never going to get too much of the spirit. Know this fullness is a condition for ongoing victory. You can't have ongoing victory apart from fullness. Fullness is a condition 
for ongoing victory. And I will tell you this, difficult things are made easy in the flow of fullness. If you will practice fullness, nothing else satisfies you. You're not content any other way. Fullness of the word and fullness of the spirit. And then it goes on speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's one way of fullness. That's one way to fill up. And we don't have time right now to teach on that. But something else I can tell you this. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues. If you'll speak in tongues, make it a practice of your, ongo- your, your daily life. It'll keep you in the flow of fullness. Amen. Driving in your car, speaking in tongues. Walking through. Doing duties in your house, taking care, cleaning your house, just speaking yourself and other times, keeping yourself full. When you keep yourself full, you're ready. You're ready. You're ready. And what would devastate others can't reach you. Will circumstances come? Yes, they just can't get in you because the flow is pushing it out. The flow just washes away any debris that tries to attach itself to you. You say, oh, that just sounds good, Pastor Ned. That's good preaching. You know, that just sounds good coming out, but it's not reality. It is reality. My husband's home going was the greatest tragedy of my life, but it was not the greatest difficulty of my life. Why? Because I faced it full. Sorrow couldn't get in. Grief couldn't get in. Depression couldn't get in. Why? Because there was already a flow established. Already a flow established. I establish the flow of my life. I determine what flows. That's right. Hallelujah. That's it. You decide what's your flow. You decide. The next thing that will keep people's spirits from being where they ought to be, not walking in love. Grant was talking about it. Not walking in love. When bitterness, offense, unforgiveness, ill will, strife comes, all those things, they're robbing us of health. Why? Because a life of living as we should, a life of righteousness is also a life of the flow of love. And Dad Hagen used to say say this to us, and I tell you, it it is your checklist there. When he said, every step outside of love is a step into sin. Praise the Lord. The next thing that will keep us from our spirits from being what they ought to be is letting fear and doubt into your heart. Letting fear and doubt into your heart. Remember when Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy, and I just quote it to you, you can write down the passage if you, the reference if you choose. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, Paul wrote to Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, Paul wrote to Timothy and he said this, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, and the Amplified says, which is that inner fire. Which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. 
but a power and love and a sound mind. What's, what's going on? We know what's going on with Timothy. He's yielded to fear. Yeah. And it has shut down the gift. It's shut down the gift, gifts in, inside him. And he's telling him, deal with that fear. Deal with that fear. It's not about if you, if you, will, if you will stir yourself up. Amen. Dad Hagen was telling about um, years ago there was a pastor's wife and she was uh, diagnosed with a terminal condition. And mom and dad Hagen knew this couple and they, they agreed that they would go and this woman was really within just hours or a couple of days of dying. And... Um, they went to the home and they stayed there in the home for several days with the pastor and his wife. And they just spent a couple of days just praying for her. And nothing was happening. Nothing was changing. And Dad Hagen hit up on the idea. He said, you know, he said, I think we're working on the wrong end. We're working on the sending end. We're trying to get God to send something. Yeah. He said, we need to be working on the receiving end. Our end. Not occupied with what God's doing on his end. But occupied with what are we doing on our end. So he goes into, because he says, I've never, prayed, I've never prayed this long without getting an answer. Now see, you can track your prayer life in a situation like that. You know, wait a minute, this has been going on too long. I'm going to have to address something different. So they go in that morning, and Dad Hagen shares with the pastor and his wife. She's laying there on her bed. I believe, he said, I've never, I've never prayed this long without getting an answer. And she said, he said, she started crying, says, oh, it's me, it's me, I know it's me, I know it's me. And he said, she says, I missed it, I should have done, you know, there's so much I should have done better, I could have done better. He said, sister, that's not it. I so appreciate, what a help that was. Just someone, when your mind is overwhelmed and everything you feel is against you, and somebody says, that's not it. Because you're already not listening to what's it or not it because you're, she's at that, she's, she's overwhelmed. How wonderful, Dad Hagen, just those words, that's not it. He said, Sister, we all should have done better. Come on. That's not it. Because the devil is always handing your mind reasons why you deserve a measure of defeat. And Dad Hagen says, no, he said, we need to work on the receiving end, not the sending end. And he said, for example, he said, if, uh, if we had a, a radio and it's not getting a signal from the radio station, he says, we don't call down there at the radio station say, you need to fix your tower. He said, no, we adjust our knob on our end so that we can dial in. That's what really Dad Hagen meant when he said that you've got to address what's in your spirit, then healing will come. Amen. When you get your spirit where it ought to be, healing, dial it in. Amen. So they're just praying around her bed with this fresh approach. 
We're just going to work on the receiving end. And they're praying in the spirit. And the word of the Lord comes to Dad Hagen and said, go stand at the, at the foot of the bed or the head of the bed. Do you remember foot of the bed or head of the bed? The foot of the bed. At the foot of the bed. And say, come out, thou spirit of fear and doubt. Wasn't addressing the sickness. Didn't speak to the cancer. What's he doing? He's dealing with the spirit, not the body. The condition of the body is due to the condition of the spirit. So he's dealing with the spirit to get the body healed. And he did that by the spirit. He didn't know unless the spirit. He doesn't know what's in her spirit. That had to be revealed by the Holy Ghost. And he said, come out. The Holy Ghost told him to say it. Come out thou spirit of fear and doubt. In a pastor's wife. Devil's mean. He's mean. And uh, Dad Hagen said, Something like a just flew right out the window by the bed, and the pastor was sitting there and said, I didn't see anything, but I felt something fly out the window right by me. Said she rose up completely healed. They didn't deal with her body. They dealt what did she let in? She let fear in, she let doubt in, and the mercy of God, the mercy of God let someone come and assist her in identifying what it was that was robbing from her health. It was the condition of her spirit. Because see, we want miracles, but if you want to keep them, you got to go and sin no more in the sense of don't do what got you in the condition you're in. Don't keep living the way. Don't keep allowing. Don't keep letting fear and anxiety and panic attacks and all that stuff. All of that's nothing but the spirit of fear. And you can let it in your spirit if you're not careful. That spirit of fear and doubt was taking her to her grave. Not the cancer. It just opened the door to the cancer. The cancer was doing it to the body, but look what was happening to her spirit. That's why her faith wouldn't work. So God let someone else come. He's so, he's so kind. He's so, he is so, he's so good. Another thing that we have to deal with so that our spirits are where they ought to be. Make sure we're not veering from the plan of God for our lives. Jesus said, my meat, the thing that nourishes me, the thing that strengthens me, the thing that feeds me, the fuel that fuels what, what meat is to the body. He said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. As John 4, verse 34. My meat it wasn't being the son of God that fueled him. No, that's right. It's the if, he wouldn't have, if he would have just did what he wanted as a son of God, go live any way he wanted to live, redemption's plan would have been aborted. He himself had to stick with the plan. If Jesus has to stick with the plan, how do we think we can veer from it and have the kind of life we want to have? That's right. It's not going to happen. Amen. 
His plan for your life is so much better than anything you or your parents or your grandparents can concoct. During his earthly ministry, Jesus faced death threats, challenges, opposition, demons. He faced things on a daily basis, but he was the untouchable in the will of God. Nothing could take him out before his time. Before he dismissed his own spirit, nothing else could remove him. Why? The plan of God was a place of protection. Nothing can touch you in the plan of God. Well, things come, yeah, but they can't get in. The plan of God is your safety. Amen. God spoke to me. The plan of God safeguards you. God spoke to me years ago when I was writing the book, God the Revealer of Secrets. That book is how to know the will of God for your life. And God went in in the midst of writing this book. God spoke to me and said, make my people to know that long life is connected to my plan. You understand? Long life is connected to my plan. Somebody veered from the plan when they veered from long life. No one died prematurely fulfilling the plan. Something was not as it ought to have been. I don't care who they are. The next thing that can cause us to be spiritually what we ought not to be is being unwilling or disobedient to God or to his plan. I'm not talking about veering from the plan or not being interested in the plan. I'm talking about being unwilling. The word says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Willing deals with the insides. Inside, you have to agree. Obedient means the carrying out of the act. So, for example, you tell your child, go clean your room. If they don't do it, they're being disobedient because they're not cleaning the room. But if they get up and go to clean the room and then slam the door behind them, now they might be being obedient, but they're not willing. And that will get you whipped quicker. Oh, whip the hide. Yeah. You and me and Jesus going to have... A revival. (laughs) Stomp your way to your bedroom. Brother, brother, come here. You want those legs to stomp? Come here, come here, come here. We're going to give you something to jump up and down about. (laughs) The willingness is more displeasing to a parent than just forgetting to do it, but you meant to do it, but you just forgot it and you weren't obedient because... Oh, brother, that unwillingness. Ooh, that's mean now. (laughs) That bad stuff. That's right. Can I tell you this? A bad attitude about anything is an unwillingness. Whether you fulfilled it or not. God God instructs you to do something, commands you to do something, and you do it. But you complain all the way. You're unwilling. 
unwilling. There was, there was a saying that I had in our home growing up. You remember how they murmured, the Hebrews murmured through the wilderness, and in one day, all the serpents came out, bit them all, what, like a quarter of a million died in one day. That was a day. Ouch. What was it? Murmuring and complaining. What, what was it? Unwilling. In here, don't agree. Don't agree. To gripe about your boss, to gripe about your job, gripe about your house, gripe about your car. A life of righteousness has no complaint. No complaint. No complaint. Because murmuring, complaining, griping, bad attitude, cranky. When somebody doesn't know what version of you they're going to get today. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, oh, you're not quite what you ought to be. <laughs> Listen, the word makes you the same. The word will, so that it, it'll help the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why? Because you have a foundation of the word under you that's the same. That's what we need. That's what needs to be our goal for our life. I'm the same. Whether, I, whether something bad happens, whether something bad doesn't happen, I'm the same. Why? Because the one I'm trusting is the same. The one who's going to get me to the other side of this is the same. So I can be the same. Amen. So in that one day, they were murmuring and complaining. They were complaining about the way, the path, the journey, the route God led them on. They were complaining about it. What they forgot, that way was authored by God. And when you find fault with the God of no fault... <laughs> and the Bible said the serpents, and I don't remember, the serpents of how many, like a quarter of a million died like that. The serpents were there all along. They were there. God didn't go get a pack of serpents and say, hey, you get over there. God had been protecting them in his will that they didn't even realize what they were being safeguarded from. When we complain, we let things in on us that we had no idea were after us. What is complaining? Unwilling. 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 Just being unwilling. In our house growing up, and I say with my kids, when my kids were growing up, uh, we had a, I had a statement that I used, the gripers get the vipers. That's right. That's right. But I will tell you this, whenever you're able to say, wait a minute, I've been doing that, I catch myself. Yeah. I catch myself. Yeah. Just healing's on the other end of catching yourself. Yeah. And making a change. And making a change. Amen. And then this last one I want to address. Go with me. I want you to see this one, Second Peter chapter 1. And I'm not going to preach this whole passage, though I want to. <laughs> Because I so value this passage. Second Peter chapter 1. 
And then we'll close with this. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Look at this. Your faith needs something added to it. Why? Because your faith is one ingredient in the life of righteousness. But there's other ingredients. So it says, add to your faith. Why? Because your faith can't accomplish what these other things are to accomplish that have to be added to it. Faith is not a substitute for any of these things. Add to your faith virtue. Now, in other passages where you see this word virtue, it's translated power. In this passage, it's translated moral excellence. Add to your faith moral excellence. And to moral excellence, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. Temperance means self-control, discipline, restraint. And to temperance, patience. Patience is not just putting up with something. It's joyfully, joyfully waiting. And to patience, godliness or godlikeness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, how you treat the brethren. So it's connected with your faith. How you treat the brethren is connected to how well your faith will operate. And then to brotherly kindness, charity, or love toward all men. But this is what I want. So it does matter. It's interesting. He singles out the difference between brotherly kindness and love. Why? Because it matters how you treat the brethren more than it matters how you treat the unsaved out there. Why? Because you're not fitly joined with them. You're fitly joined with the brethren. Oh, and how you treat the family. Doesn't doesn't how you treat the family matter more than how you treat the neighbor? Sure. Sure. Yes, we love everybody, but especially... Do good under the household of faith. Amen. Amen. So that means the the, the body of Christ deserves your best. Not the neighbor down the road. The body of Christ deserves your best. But I want to go back to in verse 5 when it said, Beside this giving all diligence, add to your faith moral excellence. No one can boast of a bold faith until they have moral excellence in place. Being less than morally excellent will destroy your faith. Because faith doesn't run with immorality. It runs with moral excellence. Amen. I don't care what is legislated. It's lawful. God is a God of morality. He's a moral God. And just because legislation calls something moral, it's what does God call moral? Amen. These are things that ought to be addressed. Why? They have to be in place for healing. Healing to be maintained even. If someone laid hands on you, but there was not moral excellence in place. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. The devil comes back and brings seven more wicked than himself with him. And the last condition is worse than the, the first. Yeah. Thank God for 
thank God for Peter when he said, who his own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we were dead to sins. Why? So we can live under righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. Now healing will work. Now healing will be received. A life of righteousness is what's to be focused on. Amen. That's in here. That's in your spirit. Right. Amen. When you address what's in your spirit, out here gets fixed real easy. Real easy. Real easy. Amen. Are you helped tonight? You say, well, I came for a miracle service. There it is. Because it doesn't do you any good for you to receive something and not know what's connected to the receiving. Amen. I love the word. Don't you love the word? Stand with me to your feet. Father, we love your word. And Father, you said that those who are blessed are the doers of it. So we purpose not to just be hearers, but to be doers. And Father, we pay attention. What have you been dealing with us about? We address that. And I would encourage you, let me encourage you, during this week, we're going to have day after day after day, it's, it, you know, you're just saturating, just a concentration of the word. And this is the time to really pull yourself aside as much as you can and put in place these things that we're talking about. Go home tonight and say, you know what, let me make a list. What do I, what, what can I right now recognize? Not because I heard a voice, not because I had a dream or I had something spectacular, but there's just a knowing in here, in here. There's just a knowing that this isn't pleasing or this needs to be addressed or this can be made better. Listen, there's a lot of things that can be made better in all of us for the rest of our life, but only address what he's addressing. Don't be pulling up a bunch of junk he's not brought up. Because what he's brought up is enough for you to deal with. Don't get into the mental arena and start adding your list of stuff. Go to your heart. What is he spotlighting because he knows you're ready to deal with this? If he's spotlighting it, he knows you're ready to address this. You have the faith to address this. You're graced to address this. So I'm just saying, turn to your heart. And what are the things that he's been dealing with you about or talking to you about or stirring in you? Make a list. And then look at that every day and say, this is, this is, this father, this father is what I make a priority today. What you're dealing with me about. Amen. Because he's interested in your success and he won't deal with mindlessly with you about something. He intends for you to arrive at the fullness of the victory he's made yours. Amen. Are you helped tonight? Are you helped tonight? Where's Grant? Is Grant somewhere? Grant, where are you? Come up here. Let's just sing something and worship the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. We glorify you. We magnify you. We thank you.
God loves you, but he loves us too much to just let us struggle and let us fail. And so what he does, he gives us help. And his help is not just a check coming to you or your body's starting to work. His help is correct this. Because when you correct that, it addresses everything. Yes. Right? Whom the Lord loves, what does he do? He corrects. Correction is a flow of his love. So we're never threatened and defensive. People ought not be practicing that. If something is shown to you that needs to be, don't defend. Don't defend. It's a help. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for it. So we say, Father, thank you for helping us tonight. Holy Spirit, thank you for helping us. Amen. He's our helper. He is a helper. And so much of the time we think that a helper just comes along and just lifts a load, which is true. But part of the load is wrongdoing. It's, it's tripping us up. And he shows his help is in showing us. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you don't want to miss in the morning. It's going to be good. You don't want to miss tomorrow night. 
Every service will probably be different. That's just the way it usually plays out. But the Holy Ghost is so diverse, you know? And uh, you don't want to miss it. Amen. Hallelujah. Plus, I missed y'all. I didn't get to see you last year. And I am so glad. We're just so glad to be together, aren't we? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We glorify you, Father. Oh, we glorify you. I don't know about you. I want to please him. I want to please him. I don't just want to get what I want. I want to please him. I don't want to just get my way. I want to please him. My husband used to make this wonderful statement. He said, the blessings are in the pleasing. When he's pleased, blessings just... (laughs) Because you're in the flow that you can receive all he has for you. Amen. Well, turn to somebody before you're dismissed tonight and say this. I'm going to do what I ought to do with my spirit. And my body will line up. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.